Thank you, Brother McCall. Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. God's been good to anybody. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to be here this morning. We uh, esteem the McCall family very highly, not only in this life, but in the work of God. I've watched these boys grow, and, and uh, I read a few months ago, maybe maybe it's been years, you know, when you get old, you lose track of time. And uh, I saw where one of them had preached his first message, and, and I, I believe I told my wife, I told whoever I was with, I wish I could have been there to hear that. Amen. I love when God works in young people's lives. Praise the Lord. It's good to have my lovely wife with me this morning. Amen. You may be seated just for a moment. I want her to say a word for the Lord. Amen. I just don't like to go anywhere without her. She keeps me straight. She keeps me as straight as is possible to keep me. Amen. I still go to youth camps because I like the campground. I like the work of God, and I like to see young people, amen, as they grow in the kingdom of God. I've watched several generations of young people come through that campground, and uh, I'm not a, a great preacher, I'm not a great speaker, I'm just an old hillbilly saved by grace. I could tell you some stories, I hear people talk about God delivered them from drugs and various things, and uh, I could tell you some places God brought me from that most people have never been. And I'm not proud of those places, but by the grace of God, I stand before you today, and as Brother McCall was talking about paying a debt, I owe him more than I'll ever be able to pay him. When I was a child growing up, my dad was, uh, whatever else he may have been, he was a hardworking man, and he was a, he was an honest man. And he believed if you owed a debt that you needed to pay the debt. And he taught us, he'd say, son, if you owe a man some money and you can't pay him, you go to him and talk to him. Don't you dodge him and don't you run from him. If you'll go talk to him, he'll understand and he'll give you some more time. And I've tried to live that way. I, I think it was good advice. And I've had people that owed me, and, and I never see them again. And I've had people come and say, well, I just don't have it. And, you know, being tenderhearted me, I just tell them, i just forget it. Amen. But I'd rather they just never pay me as to lie to me. Amen. 
I can never repay God for what he's done. But I'm going to give him my best. I'm going to give him my best. And I may be old. And, and Brother McCall came and told me at the campground. He said, you're not going to out-worship me. Well, I may not. But I'm going to give it all I've got. What I've got may not be as much as it once was. But it's still going to be my best. Hallelujah. My best may not be as good as yours. But it's going to be my best. That's another thing my old daddy taught me. Son, if you do your best, it's all anybody can ask. All that God ever asks you to be is your best. Amen. He doesn't ask you to give Him anything that you can't give Him. He doesn't ask you to do anything that you can't do. Amen. And there's one thing I can assure you. He will always be there to see you through. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll go with you even to the end of the world. There's another thing, and I want I started to preach a message this morning, and I, 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 God just seemed to change my mind in some areas. But, but I want to tell you a little something about this, and you bear with me just for a little while. Again, and, I, and I'm talking about my dad this morning, and I, I don't normally do that, but he was a hunter. He was a, he, he's the best rifle shot I ever saw in my life, and I've hunted with, with hundreds and maybe thousands of people. And I've shot on the ranges. I've shot silhouette. I've saw some of the, I, I never saw anybody that could shoot better than my daddy could shoot a rifle. And, and just to give you an example, he had a pump. Model 121 Fieldmaster Remington 22, and I've saw him kill three quail on a Covey rise with the 22. Amen. And not just once, folks, it was just a regular thing for my dad. He was phenomenal with that rifle. And I've watched him step out on the porch, and as a little bitty boy, I'd watch him as a crow would light way out in the field, and, and we had a field that was about four acres, and, and across that field there were some big trees in the back, and and he'd step out on the porch with that 22, no scope, just iron sights. And he wouldn't take a rest. He'd just raise, and he'd, he'd look at that crow, and he'd sit there, and he'd go to that back sight, and he'd do a little something with it. And I didn't know what he was doing, but I noticed when he got ready to shoot, he'd raised his rifle. The barrel wasn't, was no longer pointing straight out. It's raised up. And, and as I grew, I found out if you raise the back sight, it'll raise the muzzle as you aim. And... And I'd say, Dad, why can't I hit that? He'd say, Son, you've got to aim a little bit higher. And he taught me that. And, and I learned to shoot a little bit. I could never shoot like he did. But then I started shooting trap, and, and I wasn't doing very well with it. I had a good gun. I had, a, had well, nothing wrong with the gun, nothing wrong with the ammunition. wasn't anything wrong with me, but I wasn't hitting any of the birds. And, and one of the gentlemen there, that he's in the... Uh, Trap Shooters Hall of Fame in Michigan, he come over and he said, you need to, or to raise your cheek piece a little, and that'll make you shoot a little bit higher. You need to aim a little bit higher because you're shooting under those birds. So, so I got me a stock that was adjustable, and I put a, a high rib on my shotgun and raised the back about an inch, and, and uh, I started busting birds. And, and I went on to bust up into the 90s and, and sometimes even 100 and and uh, 
I got pretty fair at it for an old man. But the fact is, I had to learn to aim a little bit higher. Amen. Do you know what's wrong a lot of time in Pentecost? We set our sights on something and we never look above it. We get our aim set and the muzzle is right straight down the line and we think we're doing all right because we're looking straight and we're walking straight and we're doing everything right, but we're missing the mark. I'm telling you, we need to learn to aim a little bit higher than we're aiming so we can hit the mark. Walking straight and shooting straight's not enough. You've got to hit the mark if it's going to count. And I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm setting my sights a little bit higher. I'm aiming a little bit higher today. Praise the Lord. Well, that's enough of that. Now I'm going to try to preach a while. But you need to think about that. If I could just win one soul, why? What's wrong with ten souls? Aim a little higher. If I could just teach one Bible study, what's wrong with ten Bible studies? Just aim a little bit higher. God's going to be there for you. He's going to keep you through it. He's going to give you the strength. I want to read from 2 Kings 4 and verse 8. Don't have anything new for you. Verse 8 through 11. We talked a little bit about faith for service and, and works. And uh, 2 Kings 4 and verse number 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. She constrained him to eat bread, and so it was. But as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. She constrained him. She lay hold on him. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive this is an holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I'd like you to notice the Bible called her a great woman. And as far as I know, she's not done anything yet except just be there. But somewhere in her mind, just prior to that uh, verse of Scripture in the first part of that chapter, you find another woman. And she called out to Elisha and she said, I'm the wife of a prophet. I'm a widow, and my debtors are coming to take my children for the debt that I owe, and I can't do anything about it. Now, she's got a great need, and she came to the prophet. And he said, what do you have in the house? She said, I've got just a little oil. 
I just got a little oil. He said, you send your children out and you get all the vessels, empty vessels, not a few. Get all you can get and bring them into the house and begin to pour. And she began to pour and she filled all the vessels. And she said, there's no more vessel. And the oil ceased. And Elijah said, well, go sell enough to pay the debt and live on the rest. What he did was make her a wealthy woman from a pauper to being a wealthy woman. She had a great need. Now I read to you from the book, uh, the next few verses, the woman from Shunem was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread. She didn't have a need. She had no need of anything that she knew of. Yet she came to the same prophet. And maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but I want you to notice, and what I want you to notice from these two women, one of them had a need. The other one saw a need. Amen. One of them looked at the man of God and had a need. The other one looked at the man of God and said, He has a need. Ha-ha. <laughs> The end result was that God blessed both those women. Why? Because God is always going to look with favor upon anybody that's in need or anybody that supplies a need. And He said it this way, I'll bless those that bless you. And I'm going to curse those that curse you. Folks, we can't afford to not bless the man of God. We cannot afford to not bless our brother and sister. We cannot afford those things. He called her a great woman, and she said, You know, uh, let's make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the side of the house. Now, I grew up in North Arkansas in the hills. And it doesn't matter how you say it when you live in Arkansas and you do that. Oh, you got to add on out there. Amen. She just added something on. And most of the ones I saw growing up looked like a helicopter blew over and just dropped them. Amen. They didn't look too good. People go by and say, well, look at that add-on on the side of that house. And it just looked like something that you'd just thrown together. Amen. I don't know how hers looked. I don't know. But I can tell you this. What made her a great woman was the fact that she perceived that he was a holy man of God. And your perception of your pastor and your perception of the church and your perception of God will determine how you walk spiritually and how well you do in this life living for God. How we perceive God has got everything to do with our life and our walk with God. I've got it to do. She said, he's a man of God. Uh, he didn't become more of a man of God just because she perceived that he was. It didn't make him more of a man of God, but it helped her spiritually. Our perception of God determines how God is in our lives. And we need to go there. Ask a servant. He said, hey, hey, Gehazi, ask that woman what I can do for her. I, I've got something that I need to do. She's been good to us. She's supplied our needs. And she's done everything we needed. And I need to do something for her. Go ask her what we can do. And she said, I, I don't need anything. But he, he said, I'll get you a job in the king's palace. 
I'll put you in the house of the captain of the host. I'll get you a political position that, that you'll never have to worry again. And she said, nay, my Lord, but I'll dwell among my own people. You know what's wrong today with a lot of us? We get something in our sight and we get some dollar signs in our eyes and I don't believe God expects us to walk and live as a pauper, but I'm telling you this, when we put jobs and money and prosperity ahead of God and ahead of the church, we're getting into a place where God can no longer use us and God can no longer keep His hand upon us. We've got to keep God in our first line of work in His house. There's fullness of joy. You will never have the joy. She said, I don't want to be in the king's palace. I'm not interested in big bank accounts. I'm not interested in all those things. I'll just dwell here among my own people. Sometime a promotion is not a promotion when it comes to living for God. I had a presbyter one time call me and he said, hey, I've got a church you need to go try out for. I said, okay. He said, I think we can get you a promotion. I said, a promotion? Yeah. And the church was, I would have loved to have pastored that church. It was a big, bigger church. Pastor was full time. I was struggling with 35 people working full time. I would have loved to do that. And as I began to pray and fast, I called him back and I said, uh, how do you describe promotion? Well, you, you'll have a bigger church and you'll have... I said, yeah, but God didn't send me there. So I stayed where I was. Had several opportunities, but God didn't send me there, brother. Uh, McCall, I, I, I just couldn't seem to get away from that place that... God had put me in, and, and I, I don't understand that. I watch other men as they go, and, and they stay a little while, and then they go somewhere else and up the ladder, and, and oh, God, I would have loved to do some of that, but it didn't seem to be the way of God for me, and, and I'm not sorry that I stayed there because God has blessed me, and He's kept, oh, oh, I, I've got some grandsons and, and two of them preaching this glorious gospel, and, and I want you to know tonight or the day that, that you won't ever go wrong if you find the will of God in your life. Oh yeah, you may not have as big a bank account as someone else, but you can live. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed yet begging for bread. I'm telling you, if you stay in the power and the will of God, you'll never go wrong, and you'll never go hungry. She said, I don't want a position. He said, well, what can I do for her? And Gehazi answered, she, she doesn't have a child. And he said, about this time next year, you're going to have a, a child. And she, you know, she was a bold lady. She said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. I'm beyond the age. I, I, I don't want to. To, to get my hopes up and have, have nothing to happen. And, and 
She said, you, he says, you're going to embrace a son about this season, about the time of the season. God will sometimes send us a word. And because of our doubt and our perception of the word of God, I, we think someone's telling us a, 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 a falsehood, a lie, just because of our perception of the word. Hey, if a man of God comes by and tells you something's going to come to pass, don't doubt that. Just keep walking. If it comes to pass, you know he heard from God. If it doesn't come to pass, maybe it's not time yet. But don't ever perceive that the man of God is just talking to hear himself talk. The normal thing. Oh, I want you to know that the normal things in our lives, they stem from where we were before we came to God. And we've never yet killed that old flesh and we still when problems arise we look to the flesh to try to solve the problem we look to the flesh to try to get through this thing oh no if we could just lean on the arms of the master and savior if we could just learn to lean on him in time of need we would see a great difference in the way things work out in our lives She did conceive and bear a son. Amen. She, she had that baby. You know, how you perceive things that, that the man of God tells you might determine whether or not you receive your miracle. Well, I've been prayed for ten times. I'll be back for number 11. And if I don't get it with 11, I'll be back for 12. Amen. I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to keep knocking. He's going to hear. And He's going to answer. It just may not be time yet. That woman had that son and he grew. And, and as he grew, she, he was out in the field one day with his dad and he and he said, oh, my head, my head. And his dad said, take him to his mother. Yeah. Carried him into his mother. And I, I don't know what the situation was. I don't even know how old he was. I don't know how big he was. But I know she got him on her lap. And she began to rock him. And she held him on her lap until noon. And he died. She's holding him on the lap. You know, this is the second add-on in this woman's life that we know about. The first one was the add-on on the side of the house for the man of God. Then she conceived and brought forth a son, and there was an add-on in the family. I remember when our babies was born, there was an addition in the house, and it changed everything in the house. Some for the good and some not for the good. Three o'clock crying in the morning, it wasn't good for my wife. And then bothered me, I didn't wake up. But additions to the family makes a difference. Amen? She held him there and, and he died. And the normal thing I would think for her to do would get up and lay that boy on her bed or on his bed or on the couch in the living room 
whatever the case may have been. But she didn't do any of the normal thing. She got up with that dead child and she walked outside and around the house and she walked in and put him in the add-on that she had built for the prophet of God and put him in the bed of the man of God and she turned around to her husband and said, call me a young man and saddle me an ass and we're going to the man of God. And he said, you can't go. It's not the day. It's not the time. She said, it will be well. Get him ready. I'm going to see the man of God. He gave me the boy and now it's up to him to do something about it. And she got on and she told that young man, don't you drive slow for me. You hurry and get me there. And Elisha looked off down the road and he said to his servant, he said, there's that woman that's you them. You run and ask her, is it well with her husband? Is it well with her? And is it well with the lad? Days I got there and, and he said, is it well with the husband? Is it well with you? With you? Is it well with your son? Oh, no, my boy's dead back in. The, he's dead. And I, oh, no, that's not what she said. She looked at him and just said, It is well. It's all right. Yeah, my boy may be dead, but it's all right. And she never slacked up. She went right on to see Elisha. And as she got to Elisha, he said, What's the matter with you? And she told him. And he said, Gehazi, take my staff and put it upon the child. And, and you believe what you want to. But I believe if she had put him in her bed or his bed or on the couch, I believe they'd have had to bury that boy come tomorrow. But since she took him and put him in the add-on, the add-on in your life makes a lot of difference in the things that happen to you and living for God. Old Elisha went with her, and he went in and he stretched himself upon the lad. And you all know the story, but he, he, nothing happened. So he went and he done it again. He stretched out, eye upon eye, mouth upon his mouth, hand upon his hand. I'm telling you, he was working at it. And all of a sudden, that boy began to sneeze. And he said, go get your boy. He's all right. If she... That add-on, it makes a difference in your life. There's some times that we just need to add some things into our life that we've never yet done. We need. We need some add-ons. The most simple form, form of mathematics is subtraction and addition. When we come to God, we need to perform both those. There's some things we need to subtract away from our lives. And there's some things we need to add on to our lives. You don't think the add-on makes a difference? There were three Hebrew boys. They said, we're, we're not going to worship your idols. So they, they chunk them in the fiery furnace. And the mightiest of the soldiers put them there. And the fire devoured them when they just got close. They didn't even get in the fire. And it devoured them. And here's three old boys in the furnace bound. And the king looks in and he, he said, I see four. Hey, there was an add-on in the fire. Amen. There was an add-on in the fire. 
He went from three to four. They went from mound to unbound. They went from mound to walking around. And when they came out, they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. What made the difference? The add-on did. That one that got in the fire with them made the difference. They put a young man named Daniel into a den of lions. King says the next day morning, he said, Oh, Daniel. He said, Long live the king. The God that I serve has added an angel into the den of lions, and he shut the mouth of the lion. I'm telling you, the add-on in your life can mean life or death. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. I know I'm preaching this like a shotgun shooting all over everything this morning. Amen. Glory. I'm butchering about 15 good messages. But he created everything and he said it's good. And everything, what you've got to figure is all through the Old Testament, there was never any sin forgiven. It was just rolled ahead. Now, growing up in North Arkansas, running the bulldozer some and doing some other things, I, I have a vivid imagination. And, and we used to push timber, and, and we'd pile that timber, and we'd push, and the pile just grow and grow and grow until finally we couldn't push anymore. And God looked down one day, and he said, Man, that sin is rolling and rolling, there's a mountain of sin and there's nothing to be done with it. It's just rolled ahead. It's just getting bigger every year. I know what I'll do. I'll do a little mathematics here. And I'll add me a son. <laughs> so he added a son. And he said, you're going to call his name Emmanuel. He's God with us. And then they, he said, they're going to call his name Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sin. Folks, I'm telling you, the add-on makes a difference. If it had not been for that add-on, you and I had no hope. We could never have been a part of the commonwealth of Jesus Christ had it not been for that son that was added that day. When he shed that blood on Calvary's tree, that blood, that old mountain of sin just began to dissolve. And the first thing you know, there's no mountain of sin anymore. He said, I've removed it as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. Folks, you need to understand about God. You need to know some things about God that add on made a difference. I, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not got much more of this. I, I'm going to close. It's not been long, but I, I've about said all I can say on the subject, and, and you, can, you can do what you will with it. But I want you to know today that if you will do the things and add the things on, I'm fixing to tell you from the Word of God, you cannot backslide. I'm not preaching once saved, always saved. You can diagram all the sentences you want to and still be lost. 
But you cannot add these things on according to the Word of God and be lost. Number one, he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, Ephesians 6, 11. I never read and I search the Scripture when I begin to look for this and trying to find where God ever had or needed any armor. I can't find it. I, I just can't find where God ever had any armor. He's all powerful, so why would he need armor? The word of his mouth is enough to destroy everything that ever was. Well, how do you figure that? Well, he created everything that ever was with the word of his mouth. So he didn't need armor, and yet he tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Verse 13 said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, to stand, and having or having overcome all. Stand, therefore, having your loin girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to withstand the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What kind of armor is that? Well, Jesus said, when He said, and I've always been puzzled, and I I think God showed me this. Now, if He didn't, it's just me, but it's good anyhow. There's a scripture that said, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask what you will, and it shall be done. Now, ever since God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I've never one time doubted that He was abiding in me. So that wasn't a problem of me not getting what I wanted. So it must have been that I'm not in Him. So how do I get in Him? Well, he said, let me go back and get this right. I don't want to be, uh, say it wrong. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. John 14 said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. When you put the truth on your loin, you've got Jesus Christ on your loins. Glory. And your loins girt about with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, Jesus Christ is the righteous. It's not our righteousness, it's His righteousness. So when we put His righteousness on, we're getting some more clothing on, and we're getting a little deeper in Him. And He said, put on that breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's what preaching the Word is, folks. When you get in the book, and you begin to preach the Word, and He chose the foolishness of preaching to the saving of men's soul. I'm telling you, when you begin to preach the gospel, and you've got your... Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature. I tell you, you're getting a little bit deeper in Jesus Christ now. You're getting in. You're getting in Him. You've already got Him in you, but you need to get Him. In, you need to get in Him. 
Above all, taking the shield of faith. He's dealt to every man the measure of faith that came from God. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation. Amen. Isaiah 12 said, Behold, Jehovah has become my salvation. When did he become salvation? When he went to Calvary and he was killed there. He died. He was buried. And he resurrected the newness of life. And he became our salvation. Oh. If I can get all this on me and I can keep him in me, there's not anything that's impossible for me to reach for in the kingdom of God. Amen. There's not anything that I can do in the kingdom. There he my God, these add-ons make a difference. In Second Peter 1, 4, he said, Whereby are given to us exceeding precious promises, that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. We need to add-ons in our lives. To knowledge temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. Folks, I'm telling you, if you do these things, the Bible said you shall never fall. If you'll do these things, you're in solid with God. And He'll fight your battles for you. You don't have to fight your battle. It doesn't belong to you. The battle belongs to the Lord. I don't know why in the name of God that he had to add this next one. Add to godliness, brotherly kindness. Oh, God. You know how he treated me? I know it didn't make any difference to God. It's how you treat him. Do you know when you forgive someone that they've done you wrong, it doesn't do them any good to forgive them, but it'll do everything for you. There is no disease that can prosper in the face of a person that's got all these things added into his life and got on the whole armor of God. You have authority over every disease. You have authority. You can take authority. You say, well, you're getting out on a limb now, preacher. Well, you know, that may be, but at least I climbed the tree. Some people won't even climb the tree. Amen? I'm not worried about God dropping me out. If I've done these things, he said into brotherly kindness, charity, for these things, if they be in you and abound, they shall make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Therefore the rather, brethren, give attendance to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. I told you I was going to tell you how that you can... It'd be impossible for you to backslide if you'll add all these things on and keep them there. 
He said, if you do these things, you shall never fall. I wonder this morning, if you would stand with me. You know, that woman is shooting him when that child died. She didn't have to put him on the prophet's bed. I, I have a, a younger sister that's been in the hospital several times lately. Uh, she was there nearly a week, and my older sister finally decided to call me and tell me she's in the hospital. And they, they don't communicate with me a whole lot. And uh, one of the reasons is that I have put on some of the things that I spoke to you about today. And uh, they don't agree with me. We never argue the Bible. We don't discuss the Bible. Because all it does is make them mad. But they don't even communicate with me. They'll have family get-togethers two miles from where I live. And uh, they won't even call and tell me they had a lunch together. They won't even invite me. And it drives my wife wild. Doesn't bother me a whole lot. Amen. Uh, it just some things you can't change. And they don't need to let it bother you. Praise the Lord. I've always been, even before I got in church, somebody didn't want me around. I didn't want to be around them. If I make them uncomfortable, I don't want to be there. Because uh, most likely, if I'm making them uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable too. And uh, But anyway, she she called, and and uh, I went to see her and see my little sis. And, and uh, she's not doing well at all. Has diabetes and has a multitude of problems. But the biggest problem is that many years ago, she was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, she decided there was an easier way, and now she's of another faith. She was rebaptized. In fact, I have two sisters that's done this, and uh, that's one of the reasons they're so uncomfortable when I'm there. Because I, I even though I don't... Uh, get on to them about it or whatever. But diabetes and and possible amputations and possible heart trouble and, and all those things, that's not her biggest problem. Her biggest problem is that she will not embrace Jesus Christ in the fullness of truth. And there is an eternity, folks. There is an eternity. You know... I don't have a lot of education, and I, and I don't have probably a whole lot of good common sense. I'm, I'm just what I am, and, and I'm just backward enough that if this book says it, and I read it, I don't have to know the Greek and Hebrew. I just believe what it says. You know, I, I just uh, thank God for all the scholars and and I would love to have a better education. But I hope I never get enough education that I have to change this to suit people. And 
In John 3, 5, he said, Nicodemus came to him. He said, what, what must I do? How, how do I have this eternal life? And the Lord said, except a man be born again of water and spirit, he cannot enter or can't see the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know where the kingdom of heaven is. I don't know if that's talking about where we're going to be eternally. I think it is because he said, where can I inherit eternal life? But he was speaking in eternal fashion. And, and the Lord went on to tell him, the man asked him, can a man be born again? Can he enter again into his mother's womb when he is old? And the Lord said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, I, I've already told I don't know where the kingdom of heaven is. I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but I do know this. Except you're born again of water and of spirit, you can't go there. Except you're born again of water and of spirit, you can't go there. That much I do understand from the Word of God. I may not know where it is, but I know you can't go there until you're born again of water and of spirit. Amen? So if you know somebody that's not yet been born again of water and of spirit, you need to add some things on and then you go see them and bring them to the house of God so they can be born again of water and spirit and be ready for the rapture. It doesn't matter if they're 10 years old or if they're 90 years old. God didn't put age limits on us. He just said, go ye therefore into the world. Hallelujah. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Would you give him thanks right now? Hallelujah. That woman, by faith, she said, I'm going to see the prophet. <laughs> Sometime we jump up and run to the ER in the middle of the night and don't ever take time to wake our pastor because we don't want to bother him. Since I'm not pastoring anymore, I'm going to tell you, you should call him. I don't have to get up and go to work at 4.30 in the morning, so you should call him. Amen? I believe that, folks. I believe if we would put God first, he's got a divine order. Hey, this kid's dead. Laying on a bed, dead. And Mama said, I'm going to see the man of God. She didn't take the dead baby with her or the dead son with her, but she went and she said, but I'm not going back till you go with me. I've got to have some help. I've got to have help right now, so I'm not going to go back without you. And you know what happened? The add-on made all the difference in the world. It gave her son back. It got her son to start with. That add-on gave her a boy, and it raised that boy from the dead. I believe in all my heart, had it not been for the add-on, he'd have still been dead. Amen, amen, amen. And I believe the Lord wants to add some things to you today.